The following is a Rudus Metal Detectors presentation. Rudus.com.pl Hey everybody, I'm Lance Goolsby and this is the GDA Fine Stories. Each week, I will tell a story based on a single find or finds, giving a possible background on the item found. I will use actual historical references and times to accurately paint a picture of the time and way of life in an area where the item was located. The stories, though made up in this, could have been real, as lives were like this at the times. All these stories are submitted by you. Share how and where you found an item with me, and I will include your story in the episode, which will be the ending point of the story, giving it a fitting end. This week, we're traveling to Roman-occupied England in the year 329. In the year 306, Constantine I took over the role of emperor of the Eastern Empire. And then, in 324, sole ruler, after winning a series of civil wars against emperors Maxentius and Licinius, anointing him as emperor of the whole empire. In 325, Constantine declared for the first time tolerance for Christianity in the Roman Empire, even becoming baptized in the belief himself on his deathbed in 337 at the ripe old age of 65. We move over to England, which, since the year 42, was invaded and occupied by the Emperor Claudius and named Britannia. Constantly under stress and unable to move further north because of the Picts, in the year 122, Emperor Hadrian erected a wall that ran from the banks of the River Tyne over to the Solway Firth on the Irish Sea, basically splitting Scotland from England. Sitting now in a time of little turmoil after the last attempt to invade the north part of Britannia, called Caledonia, in the year 208 to 211. We find ourselves traveling to what is now a marketplace between the Roman cities of Londinium and Caesar Romangus. I can say those, Londinium and Caesar Romangus, which are modern day London and Kelmsford. The name of the market and its exact location have been lost to time, until maybe recently. We are traveling with a man, Ivanon, a peasant farmer from a small hamlet called Mashbury. Normally he and his wife Yeda, and their only surviving daughter, Elisone, would travel the road with their ox, who was maybe one season from death, to sell crops. Their other three children died before they reached five years of age by diphtheria and dysentery. This season, however, was different. He had failed to plant the turnips in time, as his normal farmhand, Reynald, had become sick and died of the flu over the winter. Unable to plant the full field, Evanon and Yeda needed to head to the market to look for a grain crop to plant in the late spring. On the path, which was a two-day trip, Evanon talked with Yeda, comforting her 
how they were going to be able to afford several bags of seed with the 20 fallless coins they still had left over from the last harvest. Yeda was worried, however, that if they invested in a new crop for the land, they, not, they may not have the knowledge how to sow and reap it. And then what, Evanon? What shall we do with the grain once it is harvested? Fear not, Yeda. For within our community there is a man named Jeffrey, who will teach us the proper ways of sow and reap. Not eased of her stress, Yeda simply laid on the wagon for a rest while Ivanon and Elisone continued to walk. As they rounded a wooded area to a large open field the following day, Ivanon, Yeda, and Elisone were taken aghast by the sight of a large market sitting on a massive open field. There were structures and tents of all sizes lining the three streets running east and west. The smells of rotting flesh and entrails told him there was fresh meats to be had within the market. Maybe even beef, thought Ivanon. Smoke from ironworks and bakeries clouded the clearing. Drunken men staggered to the bushes to relieve themselves of the ale, mead, and wine they were consuming in the hastily built popinas, now called pubs. Dogs and cats roamed wild through the streets, along with horses, goats, sheep, and other animals which were tied up to posts and being sold or traded for wares. The smells of sewer, animal droppings, rotten entrails, baked breads, and leather being tanned permeated the area, though only slightly more pungent than the normal day-to-day smells one would experience. Even on Yeda and Alessone walked through the market to look for new linen that they could make new shirts or pants with, maybe even repair some they had sitting in the cottage. They also needed new pieces of leather to mend their shoes, as they had not been able to purchase new ones this year, and the bottoms were starting to wear thin. <laughs> Passing by one of the Pompano in town, where a large group of loud centurions were standing, obviously inebriated, Evanon allowed as much berth to the left as he could, accidentally hitting another wagon parked on the left side of the road being filled with straw. A burly, older man, probably in his late 30s, came storming out of the tent yelling at Evanon in what he believed to be Germanic, as it was definitely not Britonic, like he spoke. Evanon tried to apologize as best as he could, pointing to the centurions who were now drunkenly watching their exchange. The stranger, not seeming to care about the centurions, produced a dagger from his boot, swinging it up as he rose back up, hitting Evanon on some of his gear. This had cut Evanon's money purse, yet he was afraid to bend down and pick up the couple of coins that had fallen to the ground and were now underfoot on the lightly damp soil. Now one of the centurions had decided to intervene and stepped over to get between the two men. Evanon wanted nothing to do with the man, who was now yelling what must have been obscenities in his direction. Yet, Avanon kept apologizing as best as he could. The centurion, seeing how Evanon was afraid of the man, stepped up to the stranger and gave the man a stern look and spoke to him in what sounded like the same language. The man seemed to disagree to a point when the centurion simply pointed over his shoulder to the other three soldiers standing next to the popina. 
One of the men began reaching for their gladius sword with the hand not holding a cheaply made clay cup of wine. At that, the man's face seemed to relax, and he walked back into the tent, giving Evanon one last evil glance as he did. I thank you dearly, sir, Evanon said. Watch yourself a little better as you walk through the streets here. There are those who would take advantage of any weakness. Now, pick up your coin and be on your way. Evanon bent down and picked up all the coins he saw and placed them in a new pouch he withdrew from the wagon. He led his ox and wagon down the street toward the man-made lake at the end, where the merchant for seed was. Eventually, Evanon purchased his first bags of grain seed. He was missing a coin from the twenty he had come with, but not wanting to return to the area where this disturbance had occurred for fear of retaliation from the stranger, he decided either someone else would put it to good use or it would be lost in the dirt and mud for eternity. Evanon, Yeda, and Elisone ended up getting enough grain for the season. They also had enough to get some mead from the north and some meat to feast on on the trek back to their village. They had a prosperous harvest with it. They sold their harvest in a local market where many bakers purchased the grain for breads. Eventually, Evanon died at the old age of 42, a grandfather and the first in the village to grow grains rather than turnips and melons. The coin sat in the ground, not found that day, for decades, millennia, and centuries. The coin remained in the dirt. Then, on a cool, extremely wet December day, Claude Hopper Scott and his wife Huntress Kimmy were out on a field in Essex with eight of their friends. They were amazingly finding Roman after Roman coin on the field. In the several weeks they had visited the field, over eight Roman coins and many other Roman artifacts had been dug up in the field. Then, on this day, Huntress Kimi had a great signal on her XP Deus. She was off in an area of the field, between the road and the small lake, or pond rather, when she dug up a coin. She instantly began screaming to Claude Upper Scott. Kimi just called me on the phone. I'm trying to get to her. She's screaming, Roman. All right, we're getting our Scott ran over from his area where he was detecting when he saw the coin in her hand. There, on the coin, was an image of an emperor, now referred to as Constantine the Great. His face and name were easily recognizable on the face of the coin, almost as if it had been minted just a day or two ago. The Fallis coin, dropped in the skirmish between Evanon and the Germanic stranger, was finally in someone else's hand. A 1,689 year journey that had finally come to an end. Huntress Kimi now proudly displays the coin for anyone to see who asks what her favorite finds are. If you have stories of finds or hunts out on the field, make sure you send them to me at GDA pod at gmail.com. 
I will use your stories in future episodes of GDA Fine Stories. I'm Lance Goolsby, founder of Global Detection Adventures and host of the GDA Radio Podcast. Please check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and any place else where you happen to get your podcasts. They're totally free, and I hope they're totally fun. And if you want, make sure you join the Global Detection Adventures Facebook group and share all your finds on the fields. Until the next time, we'll see you out on the fields. Let's dig it up, y'all.